Our topic today is finding meaning in life when death comes. And some people hear that statement and think, well, that's not possible. But that's what we're looking at, finding meaning in life when death comes. Just a little intro to tonight, and then we'll have prayer. Uh, death is a hard thing to talk about. There's no question about that. It's very impacting. Um, we're not trying to stir up emotions. We're looking at the subject, but we realize that when we handle it, it's, it's just delicate. As Solomon writes this book, he pictures himself, he presents himself, rather, as a defeated and frustrated man. Uh, life in this world is meaningless. Uh, it's out of control, and not just for him, but for everybody. It's just a hard place to live. It's not fair. It's unpredictable. It's uncontrollable. Uh, it hurts a lot. And he just throws his hands up and says, it's all meaningless. And in chapter 9, he will use the phrase, these meaningless days. Uh, but he's doing that intentionally. He is a man who has taken his eyes off of God in this presentation. And that's the way people think about life. That's the way they conclude uh, different issues, their conclusions about life. When you dismiss God, it's never good. He talks about death in this book nine times where he gives it real emphasis. Nine times. We won't look at a couple of those tonight. But <coughs> again, he is a presents himself as a defeated man, um, very frustrated man. Life is just not fair. On the other hand, we've learned that his purpose is to call people back to a faithful walk with God. And when our eyes are on God, then life has meaning. It has purpose. Even though it's difficult, you don't stop walking with God just because life is tough. You don't check out. That's what we saw last week, the grand conclusion, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of God. And so as we look at this theme and also his conclusion, we'll see these two things coming together, the certainty of death, but also you need to keep your eyes on God. Then we will wrap up with three things that will help us to find meaning in life when death comes. But let me have prayer, and then we'll get right into this as we look at chapter 9. Uh, but again, thank you for your patience in this study. <laughs> this has been a challenging book to think about. And next week, our last session, uh, it will be looking at applications. What are the main lessons that we are to learn from this book about life? in meaning and purpose, and then how do we work on those things? So that'll be our wrap-up, looking at the book as a whole and the lessons that we should learn. But now let's have prayer and we'll get right into this. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the Word of God that helps us to know how to think when life doesn't make any sense or when life hurts. And Father, we're talking about death tonight 
And I pray that you would just help me as I share, but also those who listen, not only for their lives, but for what they will learn tonight. So that in the future, when they talk about others who are grieving because of loss, that you will be able to help them. But Father, please just be with us tonight as we look at finding meaning in life when death comes. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and look at this together. Uh, again, there are nine different places where Solomon talks about death in this book. He is convinced that death is the worst tragedy that can be experienced in life because it ruins everything. And again, he presents himself as a frustrated, defeated man. There's no answer to death. Uh, at the same time, he's trying to bring people back to a faithful walk with God. And we'll see how they uh, kind of come together at the end of the book. But let me show you what he says in chapter 9, verse 5. One of the passages that he talks about death. Notice what he says in chapter 9, verse 5. For the living know that they shall die. The living know that. Uh, we saw in chapter 3 that... He says, God has put eternity in our hearts. We all know that there's something out there beyond this world. We do. That's the way God has made us. We know that. But he begins by saying, for the living know that they will die. And he's absolutely true. All people would agree with that statement. People, as they begin to be aware of life, become young adults, they realize that every person will eventually die. That's because all have. And it's not just a biological problem, it's a theological reminder. Death has passed upon all men because all have sinned. Uh, by one man, sin entered into this world, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5, verse 12. One man was responsible for death, and now, because of his obedience in the garden, death has passed to all people, and it's been like that for every person who's come into this world. All men know they are going to die. Uh, they don't know when. They don't know how. We don't know when. We don't know how. But we do know that there will come a time in life when we will pass away. And here's what's difficult about death. It's very unnatural. We have been made to live. But we're not going to live on this earth forever. It's not only unnatural, it's a mystery. How does the life that God has given us leave the body? Uh, what happens? It's a mystery at that point when the body is still and becomes cold. And what happens to the life? What happens after that? And it's, it's, it's just not wanted. It's not an experience that any one of us want. And when people dismiss God, it's something that they fear a great deal. But all men know that they are going to die. Now, two thoughts. Number one, not all people think about death the same way. We know that there is a certainty to death, but not all people 
think about death the same way. Now, as Christians, we have the benefit of the New Testament and the life of Christ. When we think of death, we think of our Savior coming into this world to die. We think of his ministry to those in the New Testament who were dead. He gave life. We also think about his death for us and how he not only went into death, but through death to life on the other side. And the resurrection shows us that. And the great truth that heaven is real. Uh, life doesn't stop at death. For us, we have hope, we have comfort, because we know what happens at death for the believer. It's a great deal of comfort to us. And so we look beyond death and we see heaven, we see life with our Savior, very comforting to us. People who dismiss God, they have no practical relationship with God, or they don't have a church that deals with the truth. They also have comforting thoughts about God, but they're very different than our Bible-based thoughts. Their thoughts are make-believe. Uh, he's going to have so much time to play golf. She will be able to enjoy the knitting or the flowers or the gardening that she's always enjoyed. And people create these views of heaven that are based upon what they have known about people in their earthly years, and they just put it together, they put it, make it very comfortable. And so people have comfortable thoughts about heaven or about death, what comes after death, but they're very different. Some are self-made, some are Bible-based. But here's the second thing. Even though people think differently about heaven, people cannot face death the same way. We have learned that Jesus is our Savior, that he loves us, that he cares for us. We have also learned that he cares for our loved ones who have also trusted in him. And we have come to the place where we can see our loved ones in the hands of the Savior if they pass away. We have come to the place where we know that we will be in the hands of the Savior if we pass away. We know that, and that's very real to us. People who have no salvation when they come to death, they cannot face it the same way, and they don't. It is a terror to them. It is a heart-wrenching time. When people dismiss God and their life's values are based on the values of this world without God, when death comes, they step-by-step step lose everything. They have nothing of value. And when it comes to that time, that tragic time, when they're forced to face the reality that they have to face eternity and God alone, totally alone, without any support. It's a terrifying time. False hope, man-made hope, provides no support. Notice what Solomon says here now as we want to move on to this in the rest of verse 5 and verse 6. And if you've never seen this before, this is really quite revealing. Chapter 9, verse 5. 
for the living know that they shall die, but the dead, the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more reward. Let me stop there for just a minute. What he's saying is that when a person dies, they have no longer, they no longer have any connection to this world. They no longer have any experience with this world. When it says they have no reward, they know nothing. There is a complete detachment from that person, of that person with this world. They have no connection with this world at all. Think of a son. <clears throat> he loses his dad and he thinks, man, I had a great dad. I wish I would have shared, told him that more than I did. Uh, and he makes a vow at his dad's funeral. I'm going to let my dad know how much I really have loved him and that he was a great dad. And he puts a certain plaque into the casket or he writes a letter. He makes a vow to everyone that, that he's going to set up a monument so that everyone will know and that dad will know every day when he looks down to see this in his mind, he's saying this, how much as a son he's loved his dad. And he's going to do that. The point here is, is that he will never, he will never, the father who has passed away, he doesn't hear any of that. He doesn't sense any of that, and he will never know any of that. There is a complete detachment when a person leaves this world. That person, man or woman, will never hear anything from this world, never sense anything from this world, never know about what people are saying. There's just total detachment. There's nothing there. Notice the next verse. Verse 6, also their love and their hatred and their en envy is now perished. Neither have they any more portion for any and anything that is done under the sun or done in this world. He talks about three emotions that are very intense, love, hatred, and envy. And what he's saying here is that there, there is no connection between this world and the person who passes away and leaves this world. They will never sense love, that hatred or that envy or their jealousy, no matter how strong the emotion, it's just not there. A person who leaves this world leaves it all. And there's nothing that they will ever sense from this world again. It just, there's no connection. Now, he kind of tips his hand in chapter 5, verse 9, in some of your Bibles, uh, the meaningless days of this life. Some of your Bibles, the days of value. Uh, but, but there's just nothing, nothing we do reaches a person who dies. Nothing that we do when a person dies will ever impact them. They will never sense it. They will never understand it. They will never know about it. There, there is just no connection. Now, the reason I share that with you on this slide, there are some, and I want to be respectful here, there are some churches that, that believe that when you pray to saints, people who have passed away, that they hear and they intercede and they help. Uh, that's not what this verse says from God's Word. 
there are some people who are mediums. They tell people that they can help them on earth to be somehow connected with their loved ones in heaven. And they have these seances and different rituals. There's books. I have the title of one here on the screen, How to Connect with Your Deceased Loved Ones During the Holidays. And <clears throat> if you were to Google that, uh, they will tell you steps to watch for that would let you know that uh, those that have passed away are trying to communicate to you. Uh, the one says uh, meditation to connect with deceased loved ones. Uh, but none of that's true. There is nothing that we can do in this world that will ever reach them. They will never hear anything. They will never sense anything. They will never receive anything. The reality of death is there. But once that death takes place, that person has moved beyond this earth in any way that we could ever connect with them. There's just nothing that we can do. Okay, now let me show you another passage that's, uh, that's um, in chapter three. Turn back to chapter three. Uh, the certainty of death, everybody knows they're going to die. And Solomon does tell us that when a person does die, they are beyond the reach of this earth. And that's true. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, he's gonna stand before God. We know that for judgment. But notice in chapter three, verse 19, uh, there's something else that he says, but kind of hang with me on this one. Remember, he's he also presents himself as a defeated, frustrated person. Death is the worst of all tragedies. And what he says here is that we, we are no different than animals when it comes to death. Now notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 19. For that which befalls the sons of men befalls beasts. Even one thing befalls them. As the one dies, so dies the other. Yea, all have one breath, so that as that a man has no preeminence among a beast. Man's no better off than an animal. Man's no, there's no advantage to being a man because in the end you all die. That's what he says, all is vanity. Verse 20, all go to one place, all are of the dust and to all dust uh, they will return. And who knows? The spirit of a man that goes upward, the spirit of a man, the beast goes downward to the earth. Who knows what happens, but we all die and we're no better than animals. That's what he's saying. Definitely the defeated person, the frustrated person, but he's playing a part. He knows what he's doing, but he's making it very clear. There's just no difference between the animal or the man because uh, when the breath leaves, he returns to the dust without any breath. There's no life. The animal and the man, they're, they're both the same. Now, here's what he knows what he's doing. He's being absurd because he knows that Jewish believers don't believe that for a minute. He knows that's not true. He knows that. That's part of the way he, he writes this book, trying to help people to think about God. And it's so very obvious he knows that they're forced to recognize the reality of God. Now, 
I share that with you because notice what the Jewish people believe, the three statements that are written from the Psalms. The Jewish people knew that when they left this world, they met God. They went to be with God. They went to live with him in his glory. They knew that. Uh, you remember that Abraham, when, when, it, when it says that he died, he was gathered unto his fathers. Uh, Jacob, when he got together with, gathered the, uh, the, his sons around him, he says, God has cared for me. I'm, I'm going the way of all men on the earth, and I'm going to die, but God is going to take care of you. He had confidence for himself. He had confidence for them. Job, I know that, that I, I will see my Redeemer. I will live. The grave will, will not conquer me. They all knew that. That was a part of their traditional faith. And the Bible talks about that. Notice these three statements from the book of Psalms, just from the book of Psalms, Psalm 49. But God will redeem me from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me or receive me into glory. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Psalm 1611, you will not abandon my soul to the grave and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so what he's doing here is he's making it very clear, reminding them, kind of like grabbing a child, wake up here, you know, a little bit, you know, listen to what I'm saying. Death is more than just dying. It's that time we leave this world and we enter the presence of God. Remember that. And now jump to the very end of the book where these two themes of the certainty of death but meeting God go hand in hand. That's how he actually closes this book. In chapter 12, Solomon gives to us uh, the most detailed account, the most graphic description of aging and coming to the place of death. There's no other passage like this in the Bible. And if you've not seen it, it's a beautiful picture. But the certainty of death also now joins with meeting God. All right, notice this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth before the hard days come or the years draw nigh when you say I have no pleasure in them. When people grow older, life gets harder. Sometimes they say, this is really hard to live. I'm not sure I want to live this way. Sometimes they say that. Notice, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. What he's talking about is a loss of vision, where you don't see things as clearly as you used to the sun, the light, the moon, or the stars. Uh, that's, it's just hard to see things. When it says that nor the clouds return after the rain, usually when it, there's a rain that goes through, the sky will clear. We know that. What he's saying here is that even after a rain, you still can't see very well. That's the first thing. Notice Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men bow themselves. Talking about the knees. 
instead of being strong and keeping a person upright and a man working hard, they're losing their strength, their bowed. And notice the grinders cease because they are few. You would guess that referring to teeth, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. Again, it's just hard to see. Verse 4, the door shall be shut in the streets. When the sound of the grinding is low, he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. All the daughters of music shall be brought low. He can't hear things anymore. He's afraid of things anymore. Older people, verse 4, they want to stay in the house. They don't want to go outside. They don't want to go out in the streets. The sounds of grinding the mill, uh, they don't hear that. Uh, but they rise up early as the, soon as the birds start to chirp or something happens. They hear these sounds and they get up and they can't go back to sleep. Uh, verse 5, when they are afraid of that which is high, uh, they don't want to get up on chairs anymore. They don't want to get up on ladders today and they shouldn't. And fear shall be in the way. They're scared to death of anything. They don't want to go out and shopping. They don't want to go out to a restaurant before COVID. They don't want to do a lot of things because they're scared something might happen. And that's a part of growing old. When it says that uh, the almond tree shall flourish, it refers to uh, the hair becoming white as the almonds, uh, almond blossoms do. Uh, it says the desire, uh, or like the grasshopper, the grasshopper shall be a burden uh, the smallest thing, just like drudgery, uh, the, the grasshopper that just kind of pulls himself along or pulls something along, and it's such a drudgery. Everything is a drudgery to them. It says because there will be no desire. Uh, he doesn't want to do things. Uh, no, I don't want to do this. I used to like it, but I don't want to do it now. Hey, Dad, you want to do this? You always like to do that. Or Mom, you want to do No, I just don't want They lose their desire. And what you have here is a picture of how the body begins to fail, how the body begins to shut itself down in different areas. And that's why it says, because man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets, uh, people are going to die. Or ever the silver cord be uh, loose, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel at the cistern. It talks about uh, something that's very special, a golden bowl hung by a thread in the house, and the thread breaks and the bowl crashes and shatters. Or going out to crank up the water at the well, and we find out that the water wheel or something in that breaks and you can't get any water anymore. Things are breaking. The body is beginning to shut down. Life is beginning to end. The certainty of death. Here's how it comes. Here's how it affects people. And then in verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And he combines this, this dual theme of, yes, here's how death comes, and it is difficult, but the Spirit will return to the God who gave it. The certainty of what happens at death. Believers, 
they leave this world and they enter the presence of God. And I want to tell you, when that happens, people don't want to look back. They don't want to hear this world anymore. They don't. They've had enough. And they sure don't want to come back. They return to God who gave it. And so as he talks about these, these two themes, as he ends the book, again, verse 13, let us fear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Trust in a God that loves us, who is in control, that provides, that blesses, that makes life full, even when death comes. Now, to wrap this up real quick, I want to leave the book and I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Very quickly, here's where we find meaning in life when death comes. We want to take our New Testament truth and now let it support us and fill in the blanks. And I have on the screen, Solomon paints a picture. This is Thomas Kincaid picture on the screen, this author that does so well with the lights and colors. But uh, he has painted a picture so we could see that. What I wanna do is three things, share with you how God will care for you when death comes. One of the reasons that we have, we can have meaning and purpose in life when death comes is because we understand how God will care for us when that moment comes. We don't know how, we don't know when, but we have the promise from God's word that God will take care of us when that comes. And if we know now that God will take care of us when that time comes, then we can have freedom for living. We can be thankful that we don't have to be afraid of any of those things. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, very familiar, we know that if our earthly house, he's referring to our body, if our earthly house, this body, were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he's making a comparison we have an earthly house now, a body that we live in. When we leave this body, he compares it to a house, we're going to move into a house, a different body that we have in heaven. Now I have a picture of a tent here because the earthly house, the Greek word is tent. He says right now we're living in a tent. I Google searched uh, army puppet tent and uh, that's what they gave me for a picture. Not very sturdy, is it? Kind of like our body, but it's a pup tent, okay? We are living in this. We live in a tent, but there's coming a day when we will move into a house, and it says eternal in the heavens. Big difference, the bodies that we'll have in heaven. But he says that, letting us know that as we live in this tent, Life in this body sometimes can be hard. I want you to see that. Verse 2, for in this, in this earthly tent, in this earthly body, we groan. I show this to a lot of senior citizens when I'm at the Middletown home. I know how you feel. 
Uh, let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said about our bodies sometimes. And they understand that because sometimes they groan. For in this body we groan, earnestly de desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. There are times that it's so hard to live in this body that we can't wait for our body that's, that's strong and that's powerful and doesn't have any of these problems. So there's a contrast there. Notice that in verse 4, for we that are in this body, this tent, we groan being burdened. Sometimes life in this body is simply hard. When we approach death, it gets hard to live in this body. When a loved one approaches death, it's hard to see them struggle with the end of life coming. And that's why some people don't go to the hospitals or they don't go home to see a mom or a dad as they draw close to, to passing away because it's hard for them. But my, on my, uh, the PowerPoint, life before death may be hard, but when the moment of death comes, we're, we know exactly what happens. Let's now go from the hardness to the moment that death actually comes. Notice verse 7, or I'm sorry, verse 6, therefore we are always confident, that's a good word, confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent with the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, and I say willing rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That moment comes when the spirit, our breath stops and the spirit leaves our body. In that very moment, we are no longer here, we are there. That is a clear teaching of the scripture. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Remember what we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Death is that moment when the dust, when the spirit leaves, the, the body returns to the dust, but the spirit returns to the God who gave it to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we have this reference that lets us know sometimes coming to the death can be hard. It can be difficult. We groan, we are burdened. But as soon as that moment comes, we are no longer here, we are with the Lord. Here's what I want you to see in the middle there. I left out a verse, verse five, and you have to see this, it's very important. Verse five, now he that has made us this way is God, or he that has made this for us is God. This whole process has been designed by God to work like that. The burden, the transition from this world immediately in the presence of the Lord, God has made it this way. That's what he's saying in verse 5. He that has made us this way is God, made it this way is God. And I have in my Bible, who has also given us the earnest, the down payment of the Spirit, who has also given us the spirit, the down payment, the earnest, the spirit of God. It's his ministry that helps the truth of this book to become real in our hearts. Why do we know we really have a savior? 
not only because we read it in the Word of God, but because the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit, Romans chapter 8, that we are the children of God. He has given us the spirit of adoption. It causes us to cry out, God, thank you that you're my Father. We know the truths in this book are real because of the Holy Spirit's ministry. We didn't come up with it ourselves. The Holy Spirit makes it real. Here's what he's saying. And I like the way the New International Version re, uh, writes this verse. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing what is to come. Here's what happens. When we, in our frailty, in our bodies, when we come to the place of death, and our bodies become a burden, and we groan because of the burden, it is our natural instinct to reach out and say, Father, just take me home. Because we know heaven is our home. Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior, just take me home. That is the greatest proof of salvation that a believer has. This instinct of knowing heaven is our home. And death and all of its problem can't extinguish that. It is stronger than death itself. That's why we can read, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We know that. Death can't even put out that hope. My point is, we have meaning in life when death comes because we know how God will care for us when death comes. We know that there will be that immediate, intimate reaching out, Father, I'm ready, just take me home. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, just take me home. We will taste it, we will know it's home, we will know we're safe. And God will do that for all of his children. It is a wonderful, wonderful truth, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. But that's one of the reasons why believers will have, can have a meaningful life even when death comes. Now, the unsaved world, they don't have that. But for us, it's one of the greatest proofs of salvation. Let me try to wrap this up here. Secondly, we can have a meaningful life when death comes because we know where we will be going when death comes. We know where we're Heaven, of course. We know that. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus died so that heaven could be our home. But there's another promise there. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus died on the cross for us. Number one, promise number one, he guarantees because he died for us, heaven will be our home. Number two, he promises that when it comes time to leave this world, he will guarantee that you will make it there. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you so that where I am there, you may be also. 
uh, he prayed in John chapter 17 to his father, I pray that they will be with me where I am, that's in heaven, that they might behold my glory. One of the reasons that you will go to heaven is because it is answering Jesus' prayer. God in heaven will make sure you're there too. We read in Luke that the man who trusted God when he died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's a phrase for heaven. That tells us how we will get there. And remember what Jesus said to the thief in the cross who reached out to him and said, Lord, will you just take care of me? Will you take care of me? And he says, listen to me clearly. Today you will be with me in paradise. Another name for heaven. So one of the reasons we can have meaning, meaningful life even when death comes is because we know where we're going. And the last thing is this, the life that you will have when death comes. This is what you will get, or this is what you will leave behind. The Bible tells us that God allows John to see what heaven is like. And all that John can think of is when he looks into heaven is to think about what's not there. There are no more tears. You'll never cry again. You'll never, never cry again. Imagine that. Number two, you will never well, it says cry, uh, no more sorrow, never hurt, leaving those bodies behind that were burdensome. No more sorrow. There's emotional sorrow. There's mental sorrow. There's grief of all kinds, not in heaven. No more crying, no more pain, no more death. It's all gone. It's all gone. And again, when people leave this world and they enter a heaven, if there are people that are trying to connect with them, listen, they don't want to hear anything about this world. They don't want to hear the, the noise of this world. They don't want to touch this world. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And they sure don't want to come back because life in heaven is just that much more glorious. I've got to quit there. You can have meaning in life even when death comes. And I can't tell you how many people I've heard talk about the glories of heaven when they, when they knew that they were getting ready to pass away. And so please understand what Solomon is doing here. He is helping people to see when their eyes are on God, there is nothing in this world they need to be afraid of and especially death. I hope that's been helpful. We're gonna close this and see what kind of thoughts you have and interaction and again, next week, we will have the last, uh, the application, the main lessons from this book. Thanks for hanging in there with us.